Welcome back to Chunky Glasses, the podcast. Uh, this one, I promise, will be brief. There's a lot of things I want to talk about uh, in the next podcast, I think, going on, like Tom York, um, like leaky albums and whatnot, and bit torrents. But uh, on this one, uh, we're going to talk about something sort of, it was sort of a sort of closing of a, a little circle. Back in February, we uh, decided, we, we've always covered more like national touring acts and said, you know, well, why we've done that. You know, it, it, there's not much more to do in that territory. And we said, well, let's, let's refocus. Let's, let's look at what we're doing and, and sort of look in our backyard, look at more local music, uh, and started doing that. The first step in that, uh, whether he knows or not was, uh, to talk to Ben Tufts because he seems to pop up everywhere. We did. It was a fantastic conversation. Talked about all the projects he was involved in. At that point, he was uh, here to talk about Mud Ray. Um, when the mics went off, uh, the first thing he said, I've been working with this girl, Lauren Cav, and I, I cannot wait for you to hear her. She's amazing. The praise sort of was never ending. So that was back in February. Uh, jump forward to two weeks ago, about, and Lauren uh, came over to the house uh, with Ben in tow, which I think officially makes him uh, the person most on this podcast this year besides me. Um so perma guest, <laughs> nah. at any rate, uh, came on came on the podcast to to talk about uh, her debut EP between the creek and the tracks. Uh, it was recorded with a bunch of local musicians, Ben being one of them, uh, Bobby Thompson, uh, her brother, um, uh, Aaron Mason, uh, engineered it, uh, recorded in a barn, uh, and it all uh, it all it all comes together to. To, to, in one mighty fine uh, debut that sort of showcases the range that Lauren as an artist has and and things that are she's going to be doing in the future. So this is just your, this is your intro, um, but uh, I think you'll hear it when it comes out uh, next week, I believe. Um, and you'll be like, wow, this is this is this is going to go somewhere, and that's what they've been saying all year. So uh, finally have the proof that I needed the convincing which was just hearing it but uh, sitting down and talk to Lauren was a pleasure and I think I think she'll enlighten you as to a lot of the uh, creative processes that she uh, pursues and whatnot uh, just a really great conversation for an artist um, with an artist who's, who's just kicking things off uh, so uh, yeah, this is it. This is episode number 82 of Chunky Glasses, the podcast. Uh, I sat down with Lauren Cav to talk about her new album, uh, Between the Crack, Creek, Between the Creek and the Tracks. Okay. It happens here, and it finishes here. Two men enter, one man. Nearly a two-word review, just a shit sandwich. That right there is a lot of a He's okay. sneaky. He'll, oh, he'll God. <laughs> we need Lord to cut in. Have, welcome to the basement. <laughs> See, that's what Gus is for. 
That's right. It's a nice, friendly welcome. The chunky glasses. (laughs) Get the shit scared out of you. Well, yeah. This is like your rite of passage. It's like a fraternity. Well, you know? it, like, it is. There's, the, there's no girls. This al- is my hazing. There's the no girls al- allowed sign up top. But, <laughs> but yeah. I am so glad when ladies do like brave, especially my lady. That's that's important, you know, because otherwise I'm down here in the basement by myself. But thank you for stopping by. Uh, ben You're Tufts welcome. again. I can't get rid of you. Thank you for stopping yep. by. I haven't left. I, know, I, 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 know, that's I haven't actually left since the last podcast. I've just been sitting here on the couch. It's crazy. Yeah. But it's, it's comfortable down here. It is. You enjoy yeah. the, like the Steely Dan records. All of them. Yeah. No. Yes. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, so Lauren, you're here uh, today to talk about a new EP, your first EP that you have yes. coming out. Uh, the name of it is uh, "Between the Creek and the Tracks." Yes. Uh, this is you just started doing like actually performing or did you just start performing let's let's start with that well i guess yeah it's it's um it's been about a year and a half since Mm -hmm. i first started writing these tunes and and performing live around dc and virginia um so it's been yeah relatively new thing for me i I wasn't thinking about recording at all actually it was ben who kind of like um got me thinking about it more and um yeah that's when I eventually decided to 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 go along and did you have a uh, I mean like before you were doing this I mean did, did you have like a musical affinity did you were you playing stuff and just like just for shits and giggles and just be like ah, I'm just gonna strum on a guitar for a while that's pretty or was it literally <laughs> just I'm looking at this I decide that I want to do this I, yeah, I've always had a passion for music, and I started playing young. Um, I've always been a singer, and I, I started playing the guitar in order to like play my angsty teen songs that <laughs> I was into. And then it morphed into more of like a um, more into a passion for for writing or for like play, performing, playing in front of people. Beforehand, mm-hmm. I was scared to death to play in front of people. Um, uh, something I'm still getting over, sure. <laughs> but um, uh, so yeah, it's it's been a passion of mine for a long, long time. But uh, recently, I've I felt like I've I've um, kind of like hit on something that's uh, that really look, I've I've written songs that yeah. you know really like speak to where I am in life, and they kind of it seems to be like I'm on this trajectory. Instead of like kind of reaching out, trying to grab at things, mm-hmm. you know, where I was like writing kind of like crappy songs in college, but right. then all of a sudden it's like I just started writing these songs that um, that I really love, and it seems like people are catching on to, which is cool. Yeah, to see. yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's actually one thing I wanted to talk to you about. Uh, besides just the EP, is you also do the artwork for this. So, mm-hmm. um, in terms of creativity. Like, what do you think, like, sparks that you... I, I often find people who are, are creative are, can do a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. But you Definitely. lock in on one. So, for, for example, like I, like, I can do a mean, like, the guy from the National Impression... But I am scared shitless of singing, so that will never <laughs> serve us. Oh, right never see the light of day. Yeah, he has a unique and, voice. And so, like, hearing this EP and hearing that... I mean, you're, you're clearly, like, born to sing. I mean that's oh thank you um, and and clearly like you have like like a advanced aptitude for songwriting. I mean thank you. These aren't like your debut EP songs, and so what do you think like 
you were just sitting there and, and, and from doing the artwork and you're doing this and stuff and like what triggered that and like any idea? The shift in creativity? It was Oh, um yeah, you know, I've been thinking about that a lot because I was a studio art major in right. college and uh, visual arts has always come more naturally to me or I've always been told at least maybe it's been an encouragement mm-hmm. thing. You know, people have told me, oh, wow, you're really gifted at this. You should pursue it. And so I guess that's why I did. Um, whereas music has come a little bit more like gradually. Um, but I making this record, I've I've discovered um, that I think about music visually yeah and i actually i read a book um a bio on Joni mitchell okay. who is also a visual artist Always good to read and and a, a recording artist mm-hmm. too obviously and so she painted almost every single cover for her album and um for her albums and was also like an avid painter um and obviously songwriter and so i i i, I think back to you know that book and um and reading about her sort of relationship between visual art and music and how i think about compositions almost in like Mm -hmm. a in a three-dimensional way almost like a composition and a painting you know like how wavelengths where where um where sounds are hitting different wavelengths and you know like the texture of different instruments and like i'll talk about this song hard and how i kind of went at that in almost like a visual way trying to like um thinking about the setting of the song and the feeling of the song and how like these different instruments were sort of like um and it's hard to explain but like how they were uh what kind of images they would yeah, elicit. Yeah. It, it is ridiculously hard to explain because I know, I know exactly <laughs> what you're saying. It's a fascinating way, a way of songwriting because I think you can um, – there, there's a couple different modes of, of, of how you can do stuff like this. And on the creative end, there is that or you can just be like, I'm going to I'm gonna nail down on the technician side of it. I mean, well, this yeah. has to be GDC or – G, you know, and, mm-hmm. and do all that or – you can sort of get a little more out there with it mm-hmm. and more, which it sounds like that's what you're doing. Uh, did you, did you want to play some of that song hard or did you want to talk a little more about it first or? Um, I guess, uh, yeah, we can play it. Okay. And then I can talk about it. doesn't matter the order, I guess.
All right, so that's when we were talking about mm-hmm. uh, this before we started rolling, actually, uh, that that song in particular was important to you uh, in the record yes. of the whole. So why was that? <laughs> well, for many reasons. Um, the first being uh, I have... Um, through my songwriting, I feel like it's important to kind of pass along stories of not only like our country's history, Mm -hmm. but my family's history, my personal history. So um, I was inspired to write this song um, based on my family's history of working in the steel mills okay, just north of um, Pittsburgh in a little city called Elwood City. Right. used to be a big steel town. Uh, now it's kind of a ghost town now that the steel mill has yeah. shut down. Um, but a lot of my family members on both sides worked in the steel mill. So um, I started doing some research, and particularly when steel mills became part of the indus- uh, part of our industry, mm-hmm. especially during the Industrial Revolution and the working conditions, yeah. and how difficult it was for the people who worked in the steel mills and for my own family members too, um, you know, the trials and tribulations that they had getting paid low wages or being mm-hmm. part of a union and all of those struggles. So um, I wrote this song to pay homage to that part of our history and that part of my, my family's history. Um, so there's a line about the pounding hammer and yeah, yeah. how that was um, a big part of the town because you could literally hear the sound of this, 10,000 pound hammer going going at it uh, throughout right. throughout the day 24 right. hours a day you could hear this as almost as if it was like the heartbeat of the town yeah yeah so there's some powerful imagery there so i incorporated a lot of that into the songwriting and then when it came time to record it um we there was kind of this obstacle uh where we had recorded four songs we were ready to go mm-hmm. Uh, we just finished up recording in the barn just before the brutal winter hit. Yeah, this record was actually supposed yeah. to come out in late February. Oh, really? <laughs> that was the original when, plan. Yeah. When did I talk to you the first time? Because you've been telling me about this since then. In fact, um, after it. Like, we turned off and you're like, I can't, I can't play you this, but you got to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> I, was like, I was like, okay, Ben, whatever, man. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not sure when that was. But yeah, the record was, was really on track to come out in, in late February and... I don't want to steal your thunder, but can I talk about the... Yeah, sure. Yeah. There was, there's a beautiful song that, that Lauren wrote where she lifted lyrics from a poem, mm-hmm. um, and we, she contacted the, the publishing company, and they refused us permission to use the song. We had already tracked it, and it's, it's gorgeous, but we needed something else for the record. So, um, but it was getting cold and we did record this in a barn in Fairfax. Mm-hmm. There was no AC and no insulation and no running water and which you can hear on the record. You can hear the barn. Um, and, and yeah, you can yeah. hear where the record was done. But anyway, so it, it kind of pushed us further back than, than we intended. And, um, you know, I have to, I really have to say, I, I really admire Lauren's, uh, tenacity and kind of uh, wanting to get this song right because it went through a lot of, mm-hmm. and I'll let you, you should talk about this, but it went through a lot of uh, production ideas. And this was while I was gone, I was on the road for the whole spring. Right. So um, a lot of this stuff was happening 
after I had already laid down the drum parts for this kind of emergency new song that that we were going to put on the record, which honestly really had to grow on me. Um, all of the other songs on the record, the first time I heard her sing them, I was like, yes. And right. this one really took a while to grow on me. But you should talk about kind mm-hmm. of some of the trials and tribulations of, the, of that track. Yeah, so we hadn't hardly played it as a band. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were kind of approaching the production from scratch. And this was the first time I had ever been, had the produ- the producer pants on. I didn't even know what that meant. You know, <laughs> I, this whole thing with the record, like my, my slogan is like, fake it till you make it. Yeah, it's a good and slogan I've to learned, have. I've learned so much. I mean, I, Aaron Mason, who's the yep. engineer and also produced uh, the album with myself and Ben. Um, he, you know, like he... Working with him was such a pleasure because I learned so much and he's so, like, uh, he's so calm and patient. And, you know, there were a lot of things that I had to go, you know, I had to go through, like, mm-hmm. learning curves and growing pains. And maybe that comes from having two small children. He's very patient with yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> what, was it his decision um, to take you to a barn? Like, who, how, did, how did that? So, yeah, like that was, said, this, yeah. this that album was, was recorded in a barn. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, you know, I, again, talking about growing pains and learning curves, I thought, stupidly thought that we were going, well, it's not so stupid because you did it with Coward Squire, almost like, um, we, I thought we were going to record this in a weekend. Mm-hmm. And what we were gonna, we tracked all the parts individually. And I was like, yeah, we're gonna get in the barn. It's this great, beautiful weekend. And we're gonna track everything. It's gonna be awesome. It's gonna be this magical time. And, and we did, I think we tracked drums one day. Like it took one day to track yeah. the drums. And then the next day, I forget what we did. Uh, um, or maybe we only had it for one day. Anyway, it was um, my, so my friend Colin Thompson and and my brother Michael had recorded mm-hmm. um, in this barn and they were raving about it and um, so that's how we got you know we were introduced to the barn just right. the idea of recording in a barn and so I thought well you know these songs are rootsy in nature and I wanted to have a production that was you know earthy and organic and mm-hmm. and warm and not like overproduced and um i thought that would lend well to the songs so um so yeah then when it came time to record hard we we did most of it in the barn but it was um we kind of had to rush to get this thing produced yeah, so we couldn't let it like breathe and become yeah. something so i've been listening to these like these transatlantic sessions on okay. youtube and there when like folks from the US and folks from yeah. uh Great Britain come together or I think it's Ireland specifically, but come together and they would play each other's like folk music, right, you right, know. Right, and right. there's all these in, uh, acoustic folk instruments in these videos. And that really influenced me and impacted me because I saw like the power of all these acoustic instruments and how well they were serving the song. And Mm -hmm. so that influenced me to take more of like an acoustic approach on this tune where all the other ones are, you know, like pretty rocking. Yeah. There, there, I mean, there's a good range to this record, I think. I mean, there is like, this is, this is one of the more like folky ones and stuff, but like, Mm -hmm. I think the lead off track, like looking for the water is, is straight up like, on blues country 
just banger. So yeah, uh, right. <laughs> uh, which is, is it's sort of it's sort of fascinating to hear. Like uh, usually, I think I think of a debut EP, and it's it's like this is it obviously is meant to give a picture of the artist. You know, it's it's your intro to them and stuff. But it tends to stay in in one lane, and I don't. I think mm. especially with this song, it doesn't. You know, it pops out, and you're like, "Well, she's doing a lot, and that's sort of nice." Oh, <laughs> yeah. cool, thanks. A lot of a lot of times yeah. when I've when in this kind of situation where we we ha- we're tracking a brand new song that we haven't mm. road tested yet, I'm always nervous because I, I in every other case, I've always found something regrettable where it was like. You know, we track the song and then and then we gig on it, and I figure out better parts, right? Or right. I figure out harmonies that I want to play, or like we figure out an arrangement thing, like oh, why didn't we think of that on the record? That's happened almost every other record I've ever done, yeah. and and Lauren mentioned that we play the song different live, live the the, the arc of it, the middle of it, it really kind of doesn't explode, but it gets a lot more yeah, aggressive yeah. in the middle, and then it kind of simmers back down to where it starts. Um, but on this record, it's exactly what the record needs because the beginning track and the last track are pretty aggressive. Mm-hmm. And the second track, even though it starts in a place that's very acoustic, like the song Hard, um, gets pretty loud by the yeah. end of it. So it's exactly what the record needs. Yeah. And it's so so much about the song like mirrors, like I think, the, the subject matter. You know, it's about... A simple town it's about simple job and and you know simple lives the song is 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 remarkable because it's like basically two chords mm-hmm. kind of three chords there's actually one there's a fourth chord that happens once in the bridge i, I mean as long as but you, it's as so long as you write simple. a good song you, you need one yeah uh, it's like, so simple see and that's, neil young yeah i mean that's exactly that's, you know, right right yeah. um which is often artists like i think get carried away and they're like, holy! Like, I, I learned a new chord, so I have well, to. Well, I've, I've had this conversation <laughs> mm-hmm. with with a couple of guys. One one is uh, they're from a band from Austin that I, that I love, and I love them because they're working in, in sort of a genre like garagey rock thing, where all these people are like, "Well, I play garage rock, and then I have to add this little extra thing." Like, it's you know, it's a good song, but you're like, there's always mm-hmm. self doubt and all this stuff, and they're just like, "Fuck it, like <laughs> it, it's done." And as a result, like, like their album, which is coming out, is one of the best this year. Hmm. Nobody will hear it because it's not. It's probably not. It might not come out. We'll see. But, um, but now, now you got me interested. Yeah, they're amazing. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I get the feel on this song. I mean, there and and the others actually. There's there's seems to be exactly, and maybe this gets into like. Y- this creative method of songwriting where you you see where stuff fits before you like go and do it mm-hmm. everything there's nothing extraneous there's nothing like it's just all it's there you know and you don't really you don't need more from the song you don't you know think it's less like oh, it's just like oh yeah yeah one thing I'd, I would like you to talk about Lauren is is and you mentioned something about this the other day when we were talking about like letting the song tell you what it yes. needs. Yeah, I was just and, about that. You know, yeah. if you could talk some about kind of the mm-hmm. stages we went with, like through with different instrumentation on that song, and yeah, right, because every um, everything was thought through, every instrument, and you know, even you know the tones that we got, and um, that was all thought through and intentional. But then there were times when there was just an idea there, mm-hmm. and we're like, oh, let's just try it and see what happens. So with Hard, because we hadn't really uh, figured out what the production was going to be, we I, I kind of went back to the drawing board and was like, okay, I want everything to be acoustic, unlike the way we play it live. And, you know, I, I wanted, like, upright bass. And I also wanted to, pl- um, 
wanted someone to come in and play sarod, which is a classical Indian instrument. Okay. And I got the idea from the Tedeschi Trucks Band and also yeah. Derek Trucks, um, before they formed that band, he also... Uh, I think he played Sarod in in a couple of the uh, of the tunes in his albums, and I loved how that kind of threw you off as a listener right. because you're used to hearing this bluesy, you know, slide guitar mm-hmm. and um, used to hearing certain sounds with certain bands, and so I I liked how that kind of disoriented you, and and I love slide instruments, I love classical Indian music, mm-hmm. and and the instruments that are played in that music kind of music. So I randomly found this guy. I I saw him at a show with my brother and I contacted him on Facebook and just like shot in the dark. Hey, you want to come out to this barn, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like in the middle of nowhere, kind of, you know, it's, uh, and, 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 and track this song. And I sent it to him and he was really excited. He came out and he tracked it in an hour and, it was this really surreal moment of, wow, I just had this ab- right. abstract idea. <laughs> and now this man is sit- that I, I didn't even know from Adam is sitting in the barn tracking on my song that I just figured we were going to write a, or, or record like a couple months prior. And it was all very surreal. And that's kind of like one of the biggest joys I've had recording because it's it's like just the kind of if you leave yourself to the spot like spontaneous mm-hmm. events um then you know you'll really be surpri- pleasantly surprised and things will be even bigger than you would imagine but as you notice there's yeah. no sarod on the song right, right. so um so then we we went back into this uh to the studio which was aaron's house at the time and we listened back and it just wasn't really it wasn't quite fitting and and then i um instead of having upright bass my brother uh had recently defretted one of his basses so i had him come in and play he's an incredibly talented bassist he's also he was the lead guitarist um in my band we we've played a lot of duo shows mm-hmm. so he's a very talented guitarist too and so he takes kind of like a melodic um outlook on bass parts right. sometimes or he can um and so he for was really locked lead. into this song yeah. too because he understood where it was coming from and i felt like that was something that was really important and and his parts just blew me out of the water right i yeah. I mean, they completely filled out the song, and it was like at that moment I knew that the song was done. It didn't need anything else, yeah. and so in that moment, yeah, you know, I had all these ideas of the different instruments I wanted in this tune. But in the end, it was the song kind of told me what it needed after we tracked yeah, the fretless absolutely. bass. And Aaron and I looked at each other and we're like, "This sounds awesome." There, there's a lot to be said for collaboration if you can get your ego out of the way i think yes and 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 not just in music in in anything because totally like it's sort of like writing it's like your first draft is always shit it just it (laughs) is (laughs) like and like i've had to tell people that who think their writing is the shit and it it doesn't like (laughs) it's a hard conversation i'm like no dude me too like, I might I, actually the uh, review I posted today. Mm-hmm. The finished product was sort of shit, but it was you know the first one I sent it to uh, Paul to edit, and I was like, I just blew this out of my head. 
don't, don't even it's bad just tell me why and to do huh. it but so I guess uh, getting back to that song and that way of like creating stuff do you do you prefer collaborating like that like or are there any songs on the album that just like popped out and you're like done like just out of your head you're like I got it you looked over in the corner and it was like hey what's up <laughs> Um, yeah, kinda, I guess... You kind of always describe Sweep as kind of having sort of fallen together that way. That's true, yeah. I mean, that's that's one that, um, when I wrote it, seemed to just have the right kind of arrangement. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we played it as a band. It just kind of fell together um, in, in a nice way. Whereas the other ones, we've had to kind of write parts for afterwards mm-hmm. or kind of had to, like massage it and kind of get it into the right state before we recorded. Right. But yes, we, I guess, yeah, was, had always been finished. We didn't really have to like, right. tamper that's with like it. This, and that's the second track on the record. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Now these, these songs just evolve on, mm-hmm. on the, you know, as you play them. I mean, you presumably going to be playing these for years. Right. Are you happy now Going through this process, you know, the first time going through this, are you happy now with the product you put out? You're like, yeah, this is exactly what I want to put out, or like, fuck it, it's going to evolve over the years. And you look back, it's just like, yeah. it's just a marker. Yeah, you know? ex- I was just going to say that. Um, we play, like I said, we play hard differently, but we also have started to play Looking for the Water mm-hmm. differently, too. Um, and in my opinion, it, it, sounds better the way we play it now but that's not to say that what's on the record isn't right or it's like how you said it's a marker i think that's exactly what it is these are sort of your children yeah totally these are are things like even stuff that you just play on yes but you you still have to decide when to kick them out yeah and like with with any (laughs) recording process you're gonna you're gonna basically half the distance between you and and the the wall or yeah. the 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 goal. You'll get that much closer. You're gonna get infinitely closer, but never quite get to the point where you're like everything on this record is perfect. If that was the goal, none of us would ever put out an album. Mm-hmm. No. So there's always that point where you got to go eh, and just let go of it and just yeah. trust that it's good that it's good enough or great enough. And, well, it's, and it's that, a constant flow, like mm-hmm. creating. Like yeah. That. It's like and like you said, you have to. Like if you're gonna if you're gonna make documents, you don't have to. Mm-hmm. You can just be a live band, right? You know? But if you're going to make these documents, these markers and stuff, yeah, you gotta let go and and push it out. Um, now, Ben, you, as I've said many times, play on everybody's fucking. <laughs> <laughs> but so in having that experience, you, you cover a wide amount of genres. From the mm-hmm. get go, you were super excited about what what you were doing with Lauren here. Yeah, what if anything is different about this, I mean, you're excited about everything that you, that you play on. Sure. But I mean, what, what really like stuck out about this that not only like got you to be like, Hey, walk yeah. up to the open mic, but well, there's, there's a couple things. I think, um, you know, a number of the folks that I play with now that I've recorded with or that I'm going to record with like Laura Sigaris or Andy Zipf, mm-hmm. like I had heard these folks and I was, I was a huge fan of their music for years before they asked me to play with them. And, and that's, so I already, I already knew the, their song catalog. I was, I was excited about their music. I, th- I thought I, 
I got it. You know, I got the vibe yeah. they were trying to come across with. Whereas when I met Lauren, I just happened to wander into an open mic at IOTA. And IOTA is kind of like my home away from home. Mm -hmm. So whenever I, during that period of time, I was going to that open mic so often that I, I, th I think I thought I knew everybody that played there. Sure. And I walked in one night and I, I heard this voice and I was immediately just like transfixed. And I went right, I've told Lauren the story before. I went right up to Todd Miller, who was, who used to run the open mic mm -hmm. back then. I said, who the fuck is that? Right, right. right. I just assumed, I, I, in my head, I was like, she's got to be from out of town. I was like, there's nobody in town that sounds like that. And, um, and he was like, oh yeah, she's, you know, I think she's from like Fairfax, you know, she's played here a couple of times. And so, um, I was there with a friend of mine and I remember saying to her, I was like, I think I just found my new music crush. <laughs> and, uh, and so I went right up to Lauren afterwards. I said, hi, <laughs> I play drums, you know, and I, I didn't even let her put her guitar away, you know? And, right. uh, so, so it was part of the excitement is like getting to participate and watch and encourage somebody mm -hmm. that's, that's, that's kind of new that is, that isn't established um, and to be part of that is, is pretty exciting. Um, yeah. I think, and Lauren and I's friendship is pretty unique because we have sort of a friendship where if we're both at a show and we hear something we like or we don't like, we can kind of look at each other and, and kind of nod and then know afterwards that when we talk about the show, we're gonna be like, yeah, I thought the exact same thing. Right. Like that right. sucked or that was really awesome. And, and so there's just kind of a kinship there. Um, I'm not a songwriter, but I have a, an arranging mind. I have kind of an arranger's mm -hmm. mind. And so, um, you know, as Lauren was kind of getting her writing chops together, which at this point she's got like three times as many songs as what's on the record. Sure. So. But um, it was I was able to kind of help fill in some of the gaps, very tiny gaps in some of the songs. So that was neat for me. It's not something that I've done a whole lot of besides maybe with Derek. Right. So, um, so yeah, there's a lot of things that make this project really unique. Um, I think it's there's just, you know, there's a whole thing for me about honesty in music and sincerity in music. Mm -hmm. And Lauren totally gets that. You know, no artifice, no no BS, just like a song has to tell a story and it's got to be from your gut, from yeah. your heart. And if it's not, then why are we here? Why are we wasting our time? Yeah. You yeah. know, mm -hmm. so. Yeah. And you definitely get this on this. I mean, oh, this thanks. is the one thing. Like, in a, I know in the email you sent me, you said it doesn't sound like a lot that's out there. Mm -hmm. I, I think, and, and I mean, this is a compliment. I, I think it does. I think you could drop this into, say, a, 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 even mm -hmm. a modern country like mm. playlist on the radio and they'd be like it 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 fits but people would be yeah. like who the fuck is that <laughs> you know yeah. because yeah. i mean you've got the voice i mean so let's talk about this you're not you're not you're not a big person you know? <laughs> and then you sing and it's just like damn yeah that's that's huge that's one thing at your benefit ben that i you know i hadn't seen you before and then you started saying i was like good lord like what is happening <laughs> like um and isn't it interesting like and i'm going to go off on a tangent but there's a psychology about how people respond to like uh strong female singers yeah and it makes some people uncomfortable women and men yeah alike um i've always been really drawn drawn to to strong singers people who really sing absolutely sing out whether they are male or female um but i think one of the things that lauren and i you know, lined up on right away uh, when I met her was that I think she played a Patty Griffin cover at that mm -hmm. open mic. And I was like, it was from like the one Patty Griffin record that I really know backwards and forwards. And so I was just gushing to her about that. And she, you know, so that's one thing we connect on is, you know, and, uh, and I've, you know, I've heard people respond to Lauren's voice that way. Like, who the fuck is that? You know? And yeah, damn, you know, and then I, sometimes you get people who are like, 
you know, I just like they respond to like a strong female singer. Like, I feel like she's just yelling. I'm like, if there was a dude up there doing that, you'd be yeah. all about it. So check yourself, like figure well, there, out there, why there's you're, an why art, are you uncomfortable there's an with art to, it's a different, if it's, it's a difference between, like you said, being honest about what you're doing or just like, uh, being an affect like recently. And there's like you too. Mm-hmm. Like if, if you listen and die, like diehard you two friend from back in the day, not so much anymore. <laughs> uh, did my, uh, journalistic due process and listen to that new album it's one of the worst things like ever made the reason though <laughs> is because i don't believe a single thing he says uh, and he hits these notes and he's yelling his voice is still powerful per mm-hmm. se there were air quotes around that yeah but he's not saying anything right you know whereas someone like you is and you know and you, you have to have both uh mm. To succeed, although maybe there's a part of the population that you don't have to. I don't know, yeah. but uh, I guess when you find it, like you said, when you when, when you find it with both, it, it's it's sort of special, and you'll be like, like I'm looking forward to seeing what you're doing <laughs> going forward because you know, like I heard this, I'm like, yeah, that's so I, I get this range of what she can do now and stuff, and like a year from now, what the hell is it like? <laughs> yeah, um, I think I've. I thought of the EP as being kind of like a sampler of mm-hmm. the things that I'm interested in and, and the kind of genres of music that I'm most drawn to. And um, speaking of uh, my singing and my voice, mm-hmm. it's been a huge evolution. Uh, like from when I, I've been, like I said, I've been singing my whole life and um, my mom is a singer. She was like a singer in the choir right. and, you know, sh- um, so more like choir type singing more classical style and so she told me from an early age that if i sang in my voice uh in other than my falsetto voice then i would damage it so for a Uh. long period of my life i only sang in my falsetto voice like like your head voice like up you know really airy um and it wasn't until college that i started exploring more of my chest mixed Mm -hmm. voice you know what you hear on the radio and it was this interesting transition because I feel like I, this power was coming out and I wasn't sure how to harness <laughs> it. You're going through the change of life. And yeah. yeah, really. And this was like when I was 20 years old, you know, like yeah. I finally was, dis- was discovering my voice. And, and then once I started performing regularly um, and, and really it was the encouragement of my peers mm-hmm. and um, you know, and, I feel like my voice has just really even blossomed even more or it just becomes stronger or more assertive and more confident. And so much so that when we recorded um, the majority of these songs, like last last August or Mm -hmm. last summer, like early fall, um, I actually went back and re-recorded most of the vocals, um, which delayed the process even more. But it was just that much time, like maybe six months, I guess, that had passed where my voice had changed it that changed much more. And... Or not so much changed, I guess maybe it was... I, I was just more confident of how to practice use using it. it. Yeah. And what I could do with it, right. how I could push it. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's been a cool process. Yeah, I, I, I mean, like looking for the water that first line mm-hmm. all my will is gone taken from me when i was young it just popped in my head one day when i was frustrated writing it was right. the second song i i wrote in like this 
batch that I would consider to be, you know, my real songs. Uh, and it was this bluesy, soulful, right? you know, it became this bluesy, soulful song. And I at the time hadn't really listened to really straightforward traditional blues music but since then i've been so fascinated why did this line come out and Mm -hmm. in that way and you know this is something that's inside of me you know and and i want to explore the roots of that you know where is this coming from and um so it's it's led me on this really fascinating and interesting like research journey and listening journey Mm -hmm. Through you know the the twenties and thirties and listening to recordings of Delta blues musicians yeah. and 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 uh, Appalachian music and um and the more that I've delved especially into blues I've been singing more blues with like Blue Heart Revival and Bobby Thompson mm-hmm. and Colin Thompson um, and the more that I sing just as a vocalist. It's it's like something comes out in me that I never knew really existed, and that's something that I'm I really am interested in exploring. I think I'll be writing a lot more like blues inspired mm-hmm. music because it's something that I don't know what it is, but it's I've just been drawn yeah. to it um, since I've started writing these tunes. So, so now you're operating on like three different levels of songwriting. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, are, do you? Because you've got I think Gus is really freaking out. Yeah, he's he's going for it. Uh, uh, you've you've got both types of uh, songs on this album. Hard uh, being uh, one type, uh, the more personal uh, narrative stuff, and then uh, Annie being more of a, a storyteller right. type thing. Do you uh, consider yourself one or the other, and or do you prefer one or the other? You know, I'm I'm reading this. Um, I have read a, a Woody Guthrie's biography, and I'm mm-hmm. reading his autobiography now. And what's interesting is that he he's written or he wrote thousands of songs. Yeah. And the ones that we know are more of the patriotic songs, right? And his whole thing was he's writing songs for the people and to express the people's struggles and to tell this uh, like uh, this unheard or unseen story or. Mm-hmm. Oh, he had, he had a mission. Or, yeah, exactly, <laughs> right. Sure. And he traveled all across the country, and that was his life's goal, is to tell this story. And it was this altruistic thing where he just, yeah, he was on this this mission, almost like a, yeah, like a, a missionary or something, just trying to, to, uh, to spread the gift of song and music, but then also to tell these stories. Mm-hmm. So um, it was later discovered that he had this, like huge catalog of lyrics that he, he had never recorded or really turned it. Well, he, maybe he had turned them into songs. I'm sure he had, right. um, but they were never recorded. So Wilco and Billy Bragg yeah, yeah. recorded Mermaid, Mermaid Avenue. Avenue yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, so the reason why I bring this up is because I, there's something to be said about writing songs for people and f- to tell people stories um, like what Woody Guthrie did. Yeah. But they're inherently personal, I think. I mean, the reason why I... Oh, anyway, the re, the Mermaid Avenue songs are, are more personal. They describe his personal struggles with, like, alcoholism yeah. and, you know, what he battled with internally. But these aren't the songs that he recorded mm. because I think that was part of his mission. He just kept it. He kept all of the songs that he recorded, like, in line with that mission. 
But I think with my songs, they're not entirely altruistic in that way. I mean, I recently played hard uh, and on stage, my brother got really emotional playing the solo during the bridge. And I looked over at him and then I got emotional and looking at, you know, and and I realized in that moment that the song is autobiographical Mm -hmm. and it does describe struggles that my brothers and I faced as kids and growing up with different challenges. Um, uh, And and Annie even, you know, just, you know, wanting to tell the story of a strong female character who yeah. defied, you know, the grain of um, of what it meant to be a woman entertainer. Yeah. So I guess, you know, it's not entirely altruistic. And I think there are embedded subconscious or not. Yeah. yeah. Embedded. You're, meaning, you're always good. I, I, I hope you're, you're always going to be like just in general. Artists are always going to be informed by yeah. themselves sure, on some level. Sure, that definitely. gets really weird if you're not. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, but uh, yeah. So um, your release show is coming up. Yes. It's October 3rd. October 3rd at IOTA with the Weather Vanes and Letitia Van Sant and the Bonafides. Um, so I wanted to have like a, a show that kind of rounded out mm-hmm. the stuff that the different genres I'm interested. In. So the Weather Vanes, like country rock yeah. and blues rock. And Letitia Van Sant is an all acoustic bluegrass um, band, does a lot of songwriting on social, like, political issues and um other things as well but that is always like struck yeah, you me were just a raving lot about, about their them music. right on, on, on yeah Twitters. well you know lauren had told me about them and i had never had a chance to, to check, check them, them out, out. Yeah. and I, I um i got called to play with justin trawick at the taste of georgetown festival uh this past weekend and uh i was really happy when i saw that they were on the schedule right after us and so i stuck around after we finished and listened to them and yeah they're immensely talented nice. uh, their their group harmonies are just flawless absolutely flawless and they one of the things that i really admire about them is that um you know talking about being in the service of the song like multiple folks in that band play multiple instruments and it's it, and so when they move through a set they're handing instruments to each other dude yeah. goes back on the drums for a minute and then comes back up and plays banjo and it's just all like whatever the song needs in the moment it's not like a gimmicky thing, like, right. hey, check it out. Now I'm going to play bass. Right. It's, you know, mm-hmm. it's just what the song needs in the moment. Yeah, and so, like, you don't even really n- notice it until you look up and you're like, I think that dude was playing mandolin last song, but I'm not sure. And I, I think that's really cool. I like yeah, that a lot. Yeah, it sounds fascinating, actually. Yeah. yeah, and that's like a bluegrass, bluegrass tradition, too. Kind of see that a lot with, mm-hmm. or more often than not, yeah. in that circle, you know, people who are, you know. Yeah. Good so, at playing multiple instruments. So that show is at October 3rd. Uh, plans for a tour? More shows? Um, Say yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, definitely. What's been interesting about my my show schedule is uh-huh. that, um, and this has been fortunate uh, for me because I haven't had to do a lot of my own booking, but people have approached me, you know, oh, you yeah. want to play this song? You want to open this, do that, this, whatever, and which has been really great. But now I, I have, I, I'm making a conscious effort to, you know, schedule my own tour, probably doing it solo, doing some like long weekend tours. Um, I went to school in North Carolina, uh, Davidson college. So I want to go down there in the Charlotte area and then, and there's tons of places in Virginia. And, um, so I'm making that a priority for sure. So that's in the works. Okay. Um, 
but yeah, there are some uh, some other places where I'm playing after the release show right. too, just around town. And then full album. <laughs> <laughs> I I mean I'm when, already... when you going back to the barn. He's your he's your life coach right there. Yeah. He's, I he's know. Like, I, I love this. I didn't tell you. Like, this, yeah. this is really what this <laughs> is all about. This, yeah. <laughs> this I is an intervention. Motivation. Yeah. Right. So no. So, so where's you, Aaron? Is he hiding so, behind the door? Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, like a, a good friend of mine just put out his EP and he's having some. Uh, it's it's nerve wracking to do something like this, and I'm sure yes. I, I've seen you like get a little like even talking about it. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, this is yeah. This is the first time I've like really talked about it in oh, this well, kind cool. of a format. Thanks for do- so coming over here. Yeah, I really appreciate um, you having me on here. So, but uh, you know, it, it, it's nerve wracking doing something like that. But eventually, mm-hmm. like you, you let go of it, it's done. Can't look back. Just go. Yes. So so true. So you know, Ben, you said she had like you know a bunch of other songs. You know, yeah, new songs, new songs, great songs. Yeah. You gonna, you, do you want to let those grow? Do you want to? Do you want to get them down? Do you want to? I I am I am anxious to start recording again. I I am kind of like waiting for another, you know, perfect scenario to present yeah. itself. Like with the situation with the barn, I I want to maybe try doing more um, more recording in specific locations that have specific acoustics. Yeah. Um, to to sort of like lend to the nature of the songs and the sounds that um or kind of like the general feel of of the music mm-hmm. um but for logistical reasons Aaron Mason you know he has this great studio access to this great studio yeah. in in Herndon called yeah. Studio V and we did the mixing there and it's a great studio and they have great equipment so i mean that's obviously a very easy accessible yeah, yeah, yeah. um place to use so that that and to record live or yeah. the full the live full band thing mm-hmm. that you did with coward's choir i thought that yeah was a, a you, really cool do, thing you want to use the same musicians or you want to kick ben to the curb <laughs> <laughs> i had enough of you <laughs> you truck a hat Yeah, no, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> there's definitely, I wouldn't dare do that. <laughs> there's definitely a, a thing that happens with, when you get finally get done with the project. It's like sometimes it can be very tempting to just be like, all right, well, we made a record and now let's tour on it. Or now let's like play a bunch of shows. But, you know, if you're not like an actual established touring band, like, I mean, somebody that I have a, an immense amount of respect for, for his work ethic mm-hmm. and how much he's in the studio is Taylor Carson. Yeah. Literally the day after he released his last record, the next day he was back in the studio yeah. working on demos wow. for the next album. And and I think really, you know, when you when you think about like we've only got so much time on the planet, we've got a certain number of days here. Like, yeah. um, why wait? You know, as soon as one project's done, like it's it's good to hear you say that about, about that process because yeah, people do think I think that you have to. Like the marketing up the stuff is gross. I mean, I said you should be a PR guy from the email you sent. <laughs> <laughs> you pointed out the pitfalls. It's really hard to do that uh, unless you really care about the project. Yeah. But you know, there is there is that side of it which is necessary. You mm-hmm. know, there, you, there's no way around that. But I think a lot of times people can put so much weight on that that they don't get back in the studio, and then they forget or they change sometimes even to a a, a worse place. To when it gets time to do the stuff that they're going to do, they they don't relate to what they had written. Um, mm. See, it happened with a few people, and, yeah. and uh, so it's always good to hear people wanting to get back in the studio right away. I'm always wanting to get back in. I mean, I love the process, um, and I think you know when you consider how long a record can take. This one 
we started tracking the drums in August of last year. Mm-hmm. There's a couple other albums that, I'm, that, I, that, that are coming out in October that I played on that I started tracking on two years ago. <laughs> and if it can, which is fine, you know, record takes yeah. as long as it yeah, needs yeah. to take, but like, you know, uh, if it's going to take that long, like why wait a year to start another one? It's going to be 2017 before you come out with that record. That's ridiculous. You're yeah. a whole whole different person and musician at that point. So, yeah, yeah I, I like getting in as much as possible. Yeah, and at the same time, you don't you don't want to rush it. You know, I, I I've, yeah, if it's not right, it's not right. If it's not ready, right? Yeah. Like I've I've heard people like some of some artists that I admire and you know I'll see their posts and they're talking about pressures from their labels to trying to get them back in the studio tell them they need to write like 20 songs a mm-hmm. year or something yeah and, which that's I mean that's absurd right right and so then they're <laughs> saying like you can't force this process you know and that's it makes you start to mm-hmm. hate it but yeah in in uh for me though I think a lot of these songs are ready to be recorded. So in that case, it's just so, yeah. like, why wait? Yeah. Like what you're saying. I think you, you mentioned full length. What, I, what I'm starting to realize is that like, hmm. uh, so for the projects that I really have put a lot of, you know, blood, sweat and tears hmm. into this year are all releasing EPs. And I love that format because not because I don't like listening to a full, a full album. I mean, we all grew up listening to the full albums and, yeah. you know, if you have that many songs together, that's fine. But, you know, uh, considering how most people listen to music these days and how it's disseminated. And, you know, if somebody hears one track they like, they're just going to buy that one. Like if it means if a full album is going to take two years, but an EP, EP would take like nine months, do two EPs, I, get I, the music out to people faster. I you're off into this other podcast every time you're on. Oh yeah. And it yeah. is, and it is one Sorry. to have. No, mouth. no, no. It's <laughs> awesome. Um, because that is a thing. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's definitely, mm-hmm. uh, but that gets into the marketing stuff of it. You know, if, if you don't have 12 songs, if you don't have 10 songs, but somebody's like, you got to have 10 songs, I mean, that is gonna, it's going to suffer. Yeah. Totally. Um, That's the luxury of not having a label. Exactly. Yeah. If you got one yeah. song and it's a great song, you can put it up on iTunes. Yeah. Yeah, you have complete control. It. Yeah. I strongly advocate for that model, actually. Sure. I know people who don't like singles and stuff, but I mean, if you, uh, who is it? Uh, Kingsley Flood is doing a subscription thing now. So you basically subscribe to their year. And supporting them and making this album, and they're going to deliver content throughout the year. It should. I have to talk to Nassim, but it it it'll be fascinating to watch how this plays out. Yeah, that's. I know other people concept. have done it, but you, you were going to say something. Or, no, uh, I'm just very tuned in on what you're saying right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so it's 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 a model of saying we hopefully will have an album at the end of this, but uh, we actually might not, and but we will have a lot of songs. And mm. just doing this, I mean, like, because they've run into the, I guess, the hazards of the business. Yeah. Right. Well, I think that might be, you know, another experiment in, like, finding the paradigm shift that needs to happen right now for yeah. musicians to make money off their music again. Yeah. And be in control of the creative process. Well, that too. we have plenty of control. Yeah. <laughs> we just mm-hmm. don't have any control over the about how it's disseminated or, or how much money we get when it, by the time it ends up on right. Spotify and stuff like that. Well, or if, you know, if your label's telling you how many songs should right. go on your record, you yeah. know, then it means you have to is push it, this, more material this out. Is coming out uh, self-released? It is. It is? Yes. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Are you, now, there's a question, are you going to be putting it on streaming services? Um, I've been talking to a friend about this who's also releasing an album and... He's like, I don't want to give it away for free just yet. Because right. unfortunately, some of the streaming sites are not for independent artists like me. That yeah. You do not make anything. And right. so I th- um, 
I will put it on iTunes yeah. and CD Baby and Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, but I might hold off on streaming for yeah. a little while if that's even possible. I know now they just kind of there's a package deal and they'll just put it everywhere. If you go with CD yeah. Baby, yeah. If you, yes, I mean, if, exactly. if you use yeah. anybody but yourself, I mean, it was a, a lot of a lot of the streaming sites, a lot of the horror stories you hear, and this is this isn't the the whole story mm-hmm. clearly, but uh, is getting such a small cut. And a right. lot of times it's not necessarily that they're getting a small cut. It's that they have a bad deal with their label. So right. if you go to them, yeah, and if you break it out by per play, you're still – there's not a lot of – there's not a lot of money changing hands no matter what. But they can be disproportionate if you have somebody who like gets your record and then is like, mm-hmm. well, we're going to put it here and you're going to get like a penny every – 10,000 plays. Right, exactly. Should, I've heard of that too. Should, speaking of all this stuff, we should mention that, so you're not planning, Lauren, you're not planning on releasing, uh, putting the record up on iTunes until like a month after we do the physical release, right? Yes. Oh, wow. So, yes. so for all you all you listeners, if yeah. you want the record on October 3rd, you have to actually come to the show. Nice. Right. Yeah, that wasn't done on purpose or anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I... Well, no, no, no. Let's, let's of, make up a reason why that why you're doing that. Well, for one, I mean, designing the album and um, that was like a labor of love Mm -hmm. for me. Um, I got to design the artwork. I designed the artwork for the cover and, um, uh, you know, that that whole wrapped up package, you know, of having the CD not and not to mention, you know, that's the best quality files Mm -hmm. that, you know, that that you'll get. And no matter where you'll buy the music, but um, so I guess it's yeah those two reasons mainly for holding cool. off on the on the release. Also, I I, I want to um, just you know have a chance to promote it a little bit more and yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah, because once you once you put it on iTunes, you're talking about making it available to anybody anywhere. Yeah, so it helps to get more attention from bloggers outside of the dc area yeah absolutely yeah yeah it can definitely get drowned there <laughs> and let's see it mm-hmm. uh was there anything else you want to talk about i think we should talk about the lack of bourbon that was at this particular podcast taping i think it's the okay, first time well I, this is this is a dry i'm not complaining because i because <laughs> I, I didn't bring anything for water either. sir <laughs> i was expecting and then you said you were bringing bourbon i know i did you know i, I left all, the house this morning and i forgot i, w- I was actually flask. all anxious because i'm like i'm not drinking this week ben's gonna bring bourbon and i'm gonna have to drink and what the fuck what are the cats gonna think <laughs> uh yeah this is this is actually a first dry podcast this is, for me here I think this yeah. is actually the first dry podcast. Yeah. Completely dry podcast. Oh. So. Wow, we did it. Yeah. <laughs> it's a milestone. <laughs> um, yeah. Maybe we could have gone on like way more tangents. This could have been like a two hour, you the, know, very all easily. night affair. I mean, it's still rolling, but. Uh, <laughs> yeah, here we go. You know, and I will add, there, there's no reason we can't go upstairs and just pillage the liquor cabinet. So that, <laughs> that could still happen. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Uh, the album is great, Lauren. Thank you so uh, really, much. Thanks um, for listening. It it actually it feels like it's something that's just always been there, which I think is how the best albums are. You hear it oh, and you're wow. like, yeah, this is just something that I hadn't noticed before, and now it's there, and, and this mm. is good. Um, release show is on October 3rd. This is going to be out a month after. Uh, everybody should go to the show. Everybody should uh, buy the album there, and then buy it whenever they can. Yes, so, please. Uh, 
Thanks for coming by. Thank you for uh, having me. Yeah. I really appreciate it. This ben, I'll set up a cot in the bathroom there. Okay, <laughs> good. Yeah. Cool. All right, talk to you guys later. American blood turning in these wheels. All right, so that is our podcast for this week. Uh, that was a really fun conversation to have with Lauren. I don't know if you – Gus jumped on her right at the beginning. So um, she was saying that she hadn't really done anything like this. And uh, it was a good little icebreaker, and that's that's one of the many reasons Gus is around uh, to sort of guest facilitation, if you will. Um, as we said in the in the interview, uh, Lauren's release show is coming up October third, which is this Friday at IOTA in uh, Roslyn or Arlington. I'm not sure which you call that anymore. Uh, we'll have a link, so you have all the information of that in the uh, in the show notes. Everything her. EP will be available there uh, and then I think about a month later uh, available everywhere uh, you should buy it you should pick it up you should however you need to get it in your ears you should do that um, coming up in the next month or so uh, it's sort of locals week locals month tomorrow uh, we'll be taping a conversation with Lewis Weeks if you don't know who he is uh, I suggest looking up the album Shift Away on Bandcamp. Uh, it is one of the best this year. Uh, a remarkable musician and um, and a remarkable producer, actually, as well. He produces a lot of local artists around here from D.C., Baltimore area. area. Uh, that's coming up. Uh, Coward's Choir has an EP out. They have a show that is actually the night after Lauren's show at IOTA. Go to that. Uh, the new EP, Cool Currency, is damn fine. Uh, so get that when you can. Uh, we're going to be talking to them. Uh, Andy Zipf, uh, maybe Ben will show up again. Who knows? Uh, as he is a member of the Coward's Choir. Um, and just a bunch of other stuff. Uh, hopefully we're going to get some Roadkill Ghost Choir up in here. Maybe some Caveman. Um, really hoping we get a chance to talk to a band called Buchan Gase. If you don't know who they are, look it up. But uh, yeah, so it's going to be busy as we uh, roll into Rocktober. Uh, years past, we have done special things, but this is all special, so uh, we're just going to keep doing what we do. Uh, yeah, so that's our podcast for this week. Thanks for listening, as always. Uh, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, listen to us on Stitcher. Uh, you can download it from the site now if you don't like any of that. You can get a, a use the podcast app on your iPhone. You can use a Downcast app, all sorts of ways. Uh, but either way, yeah, thanks a lot, and uh, we will talk to you in a few weeks. Or next week or soon. Bye.